You're listening to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Aaron Klein. You know, I am so excited this morning as we're gathering together. We have an opportunity to start a new series of messages together uh, called Living Together in Harmony. I think it's one of those things that as we gather together as a people, one congregation in one place, worshiping one God together, that it's good for us to be able to say, what does it mean for us to be a people who are singing together in perfect harmony? Is there not any doubt that we live in a world of such dissonance where people are so angry with one another, where they're always seeking to fight and seeking to win that we should be an example to the world of what it means to be a people who live together in harmony And that's really what we're going to be unpacking together in these next couple of weeks as we study this sermon series together. See, I think what we find is so often you and I are at conflict. We experience conflict within our own lives. Sometimes we are at war with ourselves. Sometimes we can experience conflict in our homes with our spouses or our children. Sometimes you and I can experience conflict in our places of work. We know that we also can experience conflict in the course of a church life. The truth is that you and I experience conflict in this world. We carry around hurt. We carry around pain. We carry around resentment, unforgiveness in our hearts, perhaps within forgiving ourselves, perhaps the way in which we forgive others. But what we find, Scripture reminds us that while we carry around these pains and these burdens, while the past can shape us, the past does not need to define us. And I really believe that we can learn what it means to be a people who together are living in harmony. The question for us really becomes, how do you and I deal with conflict when it comes? A lot of times we don't like to deal with conflict, right? We like to push it away. We don't want to talk about it. We try to avoid it. We often think of conflict as a four-letter word. But the truth is, is that conflict in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. It can actually lead to health in relationships if it is navigated correctly. But what we find is that so often we don't navigate conflict well. Oftentimes you and I end up resorting to decibels instead of working out conflict. And what we need is the grace and wisdom of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ working in our lives so that we can handle and navigate conflict in a way where we both end up growing. Because if we don't handle conflict well, what ends up happening is we both lose. So the question is, how do we deal with conflict? How do we be a people who are living together in harmony? Now, over the course of the next couple of weeks together, we're going to be talking about some of the different ways in which we often navigate conflict. On the one hand, maybe we want to fight, right? We want to go and we want to fight and we want to win, right? Sometimes we're afraid, we flee, 
and we want to run. We don't want to deal with it at all. Sometimes you and I can feel fatigue, and so we, we just rest kind of where we are. Sometimes we can deal with forgiveness or unforgiveness, and how do we deal with that? Sometimes we have a view of our own selves, our own lives, and the way in which we see ourselves isn't the way in which God sees us, and so maybe there's a freedom that we need to experience in that. And so over the course of these next weeks together, we're going to be unpacking these different things together. Now today, we're going to begin by talking about how we handle conflict, and specifically around judgmental attitudes. How do we go about when so often we want to go, and we want to fight, and we want to win? How do we deal with these things? I want to share with you maybe just a little bit of background, get us thinking about this. I know I've shared this with you before. The, the reason that it's most recently in my mind is because just about a week and a half ago, I received another one in the mail that I had to fill out. Um, I have never served on a court case, but I just received a federal jury summons that I had to fill out. So I was like, wow, here's the thing is both times when I've gone and made it to the jury pool, uh, I have been rejected when they find out that I'm a pastor. And I don't know what that is. It used to be that clergy were like considered the honest ones, right? But for whatever reason, either they've settled out of court in one case, but in two other cases, uh, they've rejected me. And I'm thinking to myself, excuse me? So here I'm filling out my federal jury summons waiting to, I guess, get rejected again. I don't know, right? Uh, but listen, though I have never served on a jury, it doesn't mean that I haven't functioned as judge, jury, and executioner, right? I mean, how often would you and I say that we can spend a lot of our time judging other people? We experience this all the time, right? We have these moments where, you know what, we, we see somebody else, we see their behavior, we get upset about it, and instantly we want to judge what's going on. Uh, just to have a little bit of fun with this, if I were to put some court cases before you, how would you judge these things? Did you know that there was a court case where an escaped convict sued the sheriff for negligence in allowing him to escape? There was another court case where an escaped convict sued the county and the sheriff for the emotional distress that he experienced while trying to escape. How about a nine-year-old who sued the maker of Cracker Jack because there wasn't a prize in the box? Or how about one surfer who sued another surfer for stealing his wave? See? You and I, we hear cases like this, and we want to judge all the time. But here's the thing. Let's, we talk about some things out there. What about some things that might be a little bit closer to home? Think about where our, we've been over the past couple of years. We, we judge people all the time based on whether they're masked or not, based on whether they're vaxxed or not, based on whether they lean left or lean right based on who they may have voted for. 
We spend time arguing with people all the time about things that we don't want to just disagree with people. We want to destroy other people. Our attitude can be such that we want to go and we want to fight and we want to win at all costs. And it doesn't matter what happens to the people that are around us. What happens is our judgmental attitudes can often keep us talking past one another instead of talking to one another. And look, all you have to do is spend any time on social media and what you see is all kinds of judgmental behavior taking place. We judge people with our eyes. We judge people with our ears. We judge people based on our opinions. We judge people based on our backgrounds and our upbringings. We judge people based on their race. We judge people based on their ethnicity. We judge people based on their, their socioeconomic background. And because we live at a time when people are so easily offended, people are always ready for a fight. Just all you have to do is look at the comment section of any article and you will see people that are ready to judge, people that are ready to fight. Which brings me back to what I'm wearing today. See, from the second you saw me walk up on stage, you have been making a judgment. Either that is really fine-looking clothing, or you're thinking to yourself, I cannot believe my pastor is wearing something like that on stage. It was so funny. Last night, uh, I was going through the closet saying, oh, what should I wear tomorrow? Nicole made a joke. She said, oh, why don't you wear this shirt? And I said, yes, <laughs> that's exactly it. She's like, no, I didn't mean it. I said, yes, because here's the thing. A few months ago when Gabe's opened up, we went into the store, $5, right? So I thought to myself, I, I, I can't pass it up. We're going to find some way to use it. Now, think about it right now. You're judging me. You shopped at Gabe's? You paid $5 for that? Right? So, I mean, just think about all of the different ways in which you and I can judge one another. Now, the reason that I'm talking about this is because I think we have a tendency to look at other people without looking at our own hearts. It's a dangerous thing when it comes to our relationships uh, with other people. It can be damaging. It can also be extremely damaging in the relationship that we have with God. Because whenever you and I have a judgmental spirit and attitude, what we find is we are actually putting ourselves in the place of God. I mean, how many of us have been hurt when we have been falsely judged or falsely accused by someone else? Especially when we don't necessarily know all of the facts. How many of us have perhaps hurt someone else in the way that we have judged them, even though we don't necessarily have all of the facts? And how often can you and I find that sort of judgmental attitude and behavior, sadly, even within the life of the church? Now, I believe that Scripture has something to say to us about that. If I experience it, and if you're experiencing it, my guess is that we experience this together. Well, thankfully, the Bible has something to say about it. So if you brought your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up. We're going to be looking together at Matthew chapter 7. Now, here's the thing that I love is just a few months ago, uh, Pastor Andrew did a masterful job of talking as we were going through that series on say what, things that the Bible doesn't say, uh, going through this passage. But what I love is how we can look at the same scripture. I was drawn back to it again today to look at it, though from a different 
perspective and how we can use this in terms of how we judge one another. And so I want to begin together this morning. We're going to begin at the first verse, just seven short verses. Listen to the word of the Lord. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and tear you to pieces. I pray that God is going to bless the reading of his word to our hearts and lives this morning. And one of the things that we have to recognize is that when Jesus is saying this, he's sharing what we know as the the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, we, what we talk about this, is really about the vertical lifestyle lived on the horizontal. That how our relationship with God affects the relationship that we have on the horizontal plane. How, how what we believe affects how we behave. And so we're in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, you have to remember that what Jesus is talking about here is extremely radical, Like, the things that the people are hearing, they would be saying, there is no way that we would possibly live according to the standard that Jesus Christ has set before us. It would be an impossible standard. But that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, look, you have heard it said, and then he says, but I say to you. And we hear this over and over again. And so we get to this part of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus turns his attention to the judgmental spirit that affects the kind of relationship that we have with God, but that we also have with others. And as we learned a few months ago, this is perhaps one of the most most least understood and most misused passages in the entire Bible, right? We can look at it and we can say, well, obviously do not judge means that we can't judge any behavior at all. But what we find, as we learned then, is that this is not what Jesus is intending. What he's intending is for us to look at our own hearts, to not judge in a hypocritical way. Ultimately, what we have to remember is that it is God who is the ultimate authority, the final authority, and the final judge. And so the question really becomes this. If you're going to follow along and take notes, this is where we are. How do we avoid the fight mentality in our relationships, right? We want to go, we want to fight, we want to judge, we want to win. How do we avoid this kind of mentality? How do we seek harmony together as a church as well as in all of our relationships? The first thing is this. I believe that we are called to judge ourselves and our own character first. We judge ourselves and our own character first. See, what we have to understand is that Jesus is talking into a religious system of the day. And he's speaking, we often encounter Pharisees. And the Pharisees have a system in place of sinner and not sinner. 
And what they do is they put everybody else in the category of sinner, and they put themselves in the category of not sinner. And so we see Jesus encounter this type of thinking over and over again, right? So he goes to the house of Simon the Pharisee. And while he's there, this woman comes in, a woman of ill repute, right? And she begins to weep. And as she's weeping, she begins to what? Wash Jesus' hair with her tears, drying them with her hair. She anoints Jesus with oil. And, and the Pharisee thinks to himself, Jesus, if only you knew who she really was, you, you wouldn't allow her to do this to you, to touch you like this. And Jesus knew what Simon was thinking. And so what does he say? He says, look, she knows that she is a sinner, that she's broken. When I came in, you didn't even wash my feet. You didn't even offer to do that. But she has come in and has washed my feet with her tears. And he says that her sins have been forgiven. And of course, it, it causes a, a kerfuffle because people are like, well, who are you to be able to forgive sins? Right? But Jesus is encountering a judgmental attitude and spirit. Now, the truth is, how many of us are probably the exact same way as Simon or the other Pharisees that we find in Scripture? How many of us are quick to judge someone else when our entire lives are completely out of whack, right? How many of us are looking at what's happening outwardly in other people when we're not really looking inwardly at what's happening in our own hearts and lives? I think this is why Jesus is challenging them. Look at what it says in verse 3 and verse 5. He says, what? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So let's just think about this for a minute, right? How many of us, we've experienced this, right? You are, you're in a traffic jam, and you're near the merging lane. And somebody pulls out of the merging lane, drives into the merging lane, and drives ahead to the front. And you're like, oh, you know? And then when a trucker pulls over, you're like, yes, you know? Right? We complain about the way other people drive, but let's be honest. How many of us do the same thing? Right? We, we're so quick to get angry at what other people do. When in reality, we often do the exact same thing. By the way, have you ever stopped to think maybe that person actually has an emergency? Right? But we, but we want to judge them because we're angry about it. I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, a lot of us, we hear it in the news. Sam Bankman-Fried, right, uh, you know, stole like billions of dollars, millions, billions of dollars from, from people. Um, and it's, it's back in the news again. Uh, because he pleaded not guilty this week. When the evidence against him seems overwhelming, right? And so we would think to ourselves, man, if I were on that jury, I already know how I would judge. He may claim not guilty, but I know he's guilty. Well, let's be honest. He stole money from people. How many of us have ever lied 
about our children's age in order to get into a movie a little bit cheaper, in order to get into Disney World before they took your blood and everything else, right? <laughs> you know, but, but or Bush Gardens. I can remember a um, number of years ago when we were living in Florida, we actually had uh, Bush Gardens season tickets. Um, it's pretty affordable if you lived there. Basically one day plus a couple bucks more, you could actually go the entire year. So we had season tickets. Um, and on one particular occasion, our boys didn't go. We took, uh, Nicole and I took Adriana and a friend of hers. And uh, we said when we went in, if anybody questions you, um, you're Gabriella today, not Gabe. <laughs> right? Now, I say this because on the one hand, we, we, have, we have season tickets, right? We've paid for it. But let's be honest. Isn't that stealing? I think you and I have to be so careful when we're ready to cast judgment on other people. We have to be willing to look at our own hearts. What Jesus is saying is you need to live an examined life before you examine the life of someone else. Otherwise, what happens, right? You and I have this plank in our eyes. And, and what do we want to do? We want to point out the sawdust that's in somebody else's life. You and I need to be so careful about the way in which we approach things, the way in which we approach people, because we have to remember that as we point the finger at other people, God may very well be pointing the finger at us. And saying, be very careful in how you're judging. This is why Jesus is challenging people to not be what we know are hypocrites. Whenever you and I seek to go and to fight and to win at all costs, what it does is it damages the relationship that we have with God. And it damages the kind of relationships that we have with other people. And in the end, what it ends up doing is it damages our witness. How many people have you perhaps encountered who have felt, I've been hurt by the church, or I've been burned by the church because that church has had an overly judgmental spirit? And so if you and I want to be a people who are living together in harmony, that's why I love that we're meeting together over the course of these next weeks because it allows us to really lean into how do we build a community that's living together in harmony. And that's not to say that we're experiencing all kinds of disharmony here. What it is trying to say is how do we make sure to safeguard and to safekeep this community that is seeking to live in harmony. I believe what it means is that we need to check our judgmental spirit and attitude at the door before we look at the heart of someone else. Now, before we move on from this, I want us to note, notice what we have not said. What we have not said is that we shouldn't judge behavior at all. 
See, this is where Christians and non-Christians alike can get this confused. And Pastor Andrew was talking about this a few months ago, right? We take the words, do not judge, and we put it across the board. And we say, well, obviously that means, well, we shouldn't judge anybody's behavior at all. But please understand, that's not what this passage is saying. This isn't the sentiment that you find in Scripture that's confirmed in other places as well. Because notice, what Jesus is doing here is clearly judging poor behavior. What he's saying is, look, if you see a speck in someone else's eye, you may have a plank in your own eye. So Jesus is judging being able to say, look, there may be a plank that is in your own eye. What he's saying is, don't judge hypocritically. If you want some other places where this appears, in John chapter 7, What does Jesus say? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. In 1 John chapter 4, there's a section where it talks about testing the spirits. And what we're talking about when you test the spirits is when someone else is speaking to you or saying something to you that you believe may be a falsehood about Jesus Christ, what do you do? You judge the behavior, but you judge the thoughts based on what? You test the spirits. You go to Scripture. You pray about it. You say, Lord, is this indeed what you are speaking? So here's an example of what we find in judging the thoughts or behavior or speech of others. And then in Galatians chapter 6, we're going to be looking at this in just a moment, but what does Paul say? That if any of you is caught sinning, you who are spiritual should try to restore them gently. Which, by the way, if Paul is saying that you are to call out someone's sin and to restore them, well, you have to judge someone and their behavior to know, is it sin that needs to be restored? So what we find is this sentiment that we judge, but we don't do it hypocritically. And in fact, second thing is this. I think scripture teaches us that we are to do it biblically, fairly, and rarely. We judge biblically, fairly, and rarely. You know, whenever we judge the behavior of someone else, we need to ask the question, are we doing it for the betterment of someone else or are we doing it because we want to be right? You know, Do we want to help someone grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ? Or do we want to fight? And do we want to win? I think, if we're honest, this is oftentimes where you and I can sometimes struggle. We want to judge the flaws that we find in other people. We want to tell them what's wrong in their life. Instead of saying, I want you to be better in your walk with Jesus Christ. I want to see you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to ask, am I judging in a way that is trying to take the place of God? Or am I doing it biblically? And am I doing it fairly? See, whenever you and I set ourselves up as though we are in the place of God, that we can see others in the way in which God sees it, that we know the heart of other people, 
like the way God knows the heart of people. Whenever we think that we know all the facts that leads to a specific point in someone's life, why they made this choice or that choice, whenever you and I think that we know the motives behind why people do what they do, we put ourselves into the place of God. And we have to remember that whenever we judge someone else, human judgment is always limited. It's limited because we're not God. We're limited to the kind of information that we have. We're limited in knowing what's really going on in people's lives. And because we can't know everything about the situation, we need to show great care whenever we speak into someone else's life. See, the issue is that whenever we try to find the faults in someone else and try to point out the things that are wrong in the people that are around us, whenever we have an overly critical or judgmental spirit and attitude, then we are outside the bounds of how Jesus would have us live. Notice what James chapter 4, 11 to 12, this is from the New Living Translation. Notice what it says. It says, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? We do it biblically. We do it fairly. We do it rarely. Third, if we're to live in harmony, we judge with a balance of grace and truth. We judge with a balance of grace and truth. I, I think a lot of us can either lean towards being a people of grace or we can lean towards being a people of truth, right? We, we lean towards grace because maybe we say, well, I'm a sinner. I deal with broken stuff in my life. You know, judge not lest ye be judged. And so what happens is, is we lean in all on grace. And we say, well, because I'm broken and sinful, I don't want to point out what's happening in someone else's life, right? He who is without sin cast the first stone. And then, of course, some of us lean towards truth, right? No, I'm going to beat somebody over the head because this, this is what is true. And so we want to make sure in this case that we fight and that we win. For some, they would rather be right and drive people away than what Scripture says is to seek to restore others. If you want a simple way to think about this, look at it this way. If the sin is more important than the soul, you have the issue. Right? If, if the sin in somebody else's life is more important than their soul, than their spirit, then, then you're the one with the issue. If you desire to win rather than to resolve, if you're not judging things based on biblical grace and truth, and you just simply want to point out what's wrong, then again, we're living outside the bounds of how Jesus calls us to live. Which, by the way, I think is... Why it is, it's pretty amazing that this morning we, we had elders and deacons standing before us this morning. Because I, I think about the difficult work that they have. I, I think about it from this perspective. Their role 
is to walk alongside of people and to judge behavior that is outside and contrary to God's word and to try to biblically, gently restore them back to faith. Listen to what Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. The thing about walking as elders and deacons alongside of people is, you and I know, people do not like to be corrected. Right? We don't like to have the things that are wrong in our lives pointed out. And that's part of our role. We all know people sometimes in the life of the church who go off in a huff and they'll say, that church judged me, right? They judged my behavior. Now, the thing is, maybe it's true. Maybe the elders needed to judge that behavior and they did it in a way that was gentle, that was seeking to restore But of course, because people don't like it, they're still going to say, well, they they just judged me. The the truth is, if it's being done in a way that is gentle, that is seeking to restore, then the truth is that's on them, right? Not on the church. And And if the church has perhaps done it in a way that hasn't been loving, well, then we as a church need to acknowledge that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that what's been pointed out is is right behavior either. So perhaps as a church, there are areas where we too need to seek forgiveness. But ultimately, that's the role of elders in the life of the church. And by the way, this is what the last part of this verse is about. You get to verse 6 and it says that you shouldn't give sacred things to dogs. Right? Or you shouldn't give the holy to the unholy. Or you shouldn't throw pearls to pigs or they're just going to trample it underfoot. Jesus is probably referencing Proverbs 26.11 where he says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. As owners of dogs, we totally get this. Right? You know, the things that they end up doing that are so disgusting and gross. But here's the truth. Sometimes, when you and I walk with people, they are not going to want to change. They would rather stay in the mud. They would rather trample the pearls. They would rather return to the vomit. And if they do, that's on them. But we have to try to walk with people in a way that is right and gentle and humble, and biblical. So what might be some some application? How do we take this with us this morning? A a couple of of simple thoughts, really. The first is this. It's very simple. Follow the 24-hour rule. Before you say anything, before you write anything, before you post anything, Wait 24 hours. Pray about it. Uh, Talk to others about it. Seek godly wisdom so that when you choose to speak, you are doing it in a way that is trying to be couched 
in biblical, gentle wisdom. We know that that is often not the case when we respond immediately. So simply enough, just wait 24 hours. Second, if you are a person who feels like you have been judged, I'm going to ask, do you need to forgive the other person for doing it? For two reasons. One, is there really something in your life that needed to change? And whether or not they did it in a right way, there is truth in what they're saying. And what you're now doing is judging the other person for having judged you. And so maybe there's something there where you need to say, Lord, I forgive them for what they've done. And you need, and you need to s- converse that, say that to them. And maybe another thing would be, if you are someone who has judged someone else, but you haven't done it biblically or fairly, you haven't done it with wisdom, Instead, you've done it in anger. You've done it with a judgmental spirit. You've done it in order to be right and to win. Then maybe today you need to go and ask for forgiveness and say, you know what? I know that I've done something that has hurt you and that has wounded you. You know, may- Maybe this is one of those areas where you say, I want to seek harmony in this relationship. And maybe a third or fourth thing might be this. Remember, these aren't just principles for us as a church. I believe that these are principles that we can take into our everyday lives. Because think about the witness. I mean, if, if Warsaw EPC was a factory of harmony, I mean, imagine what, what that could do in our community. Imagine the witness that we could have in our world. But it's about you and I choosing to be a people who set aside a judgmental spirit or attitude and instead are are seeking to walk alongside of people, to be gentle as we walk with them, and to speak biblical truth into one another's lives. And I believe that as you and I choose to do these things, then we are going to be a people who are able to live together in harmony. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you today, what we recognize is that sometimes as a church, and sometimes as individuals, the relationships that we have with people around us, maybe it's our family, maybe it's at work, Lord, we can be very judgmental. And it's hard, especially if someone else is not a follower of Jesus. How do you speak biblical truth into their lives then? Lord, in those moments, perhaps allow us to be filled with your spirit and with your grace, Lord, to either hold our tongue when necessary, to be able to speak truth when necessary, or just to be able to say that's not the way that I see it or that I would choose a different way. Lord, help us to speak with truth and grace as we encounter others. Lord, help us to do that as a church, to be a church that is unified together in harmony so that, Lord, we can bear witness to who you are, not only in this congregation, but, Lord, to our community and to the world. Lord, our desire 
is to be a people who are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you do that work, that refining work in us, if there are things that, Lord, where we have a hypocritical attitude or spirit, Lord, reveal that to us so that, Lord, as we seek to walk with others, we are always walking in grace, walking in truth. We pray that, Lord, you would strengthen us, keep us in these things as we walk in step with Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, and check out our other discussions and messages. To learn more about Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's worship services, ministries, and events, visit us online at warsawpresby.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again for joining us and have a blessed day.